All right, if you would open your Bibles, please, to two places, Luke chapter 1, and we will continue our series through the Gospel of Luke, but then also 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I'd like to read a verse with you quickly from 2 Timothy 2, we'll read verse 21. 2 Timothy 2, verse 21, and Luke chapter 1, verse 26 is where we will begin there. 2 Timothy 2, and verse number 21. The Bible says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. I'd like to talk with you this morning from the story of Mary about a vessel meet for the master. And if you would bow your heads with me, let's pray together and ask for God's help. Father, as we now turn our attention to the Scripture, we also turn our, our hearts to, towards You. We ask that the Spirit of God would guide us. Father, both the speaker now and the hearer, I pray You give me the tongue of the learned and give everybody ears to hear. Let us walk away today better prepared to be a vessel meet for the Master's use. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For years, while I was in Bible school, this verse loomed large in my life. Every week uh, at Dr. Ruckman's church, we'd have prayer meeting on Wednesday night. So we would have Bible school for an hour, and then we'd go to prayer meeting for an hour, and then we'd come back and have two more hours of Bible classes. In that hour of prayer, we would meet together as a church. We would sing four or five songs and then we'd take a prayer request. Everybody would break into small groups of maybe one, two, three people at the most. Every week for those three years that I was in Bible school, this verse was in my prayers. I prayed consistently, God, please make me a vessel, meet for the Master's use. And when I think of stories in the Bible that really illustrate this thought well, Mary always comes to mind because she was quite literally, and in the physical, biological sense, a vessel meet for the master's use. So let's come to Luke chapter 1, and let's take our time as we go through this wonderful portion of Scripture. Mark chapter, uh, Mark, Luke chapter 1, and verse number 26. The Bible says, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now the story begins for Mary with a place that was very much overlooked in these days. Now Nazareth to us is a fairly common name. When we think of Jesus, he is Jesus of Nazareth. But when he said that in these days, in biblical times, people laughed it off. You know this from the Gospel of John. They would say, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Think of Stillfontaine. Not a big place. No, no, I'm not making fun of Stillfontaine. I'm actually complimenting it. That would be a big city compared to Nazareth. In America, we would call this, and down south, we would say that is a podunk place. How many of you know the word podunk? Now you do. <laughs> you come to church to learn, right? Podunk. The word podunk, that's deep south English for dull and insignificant. Podunk. That's Nazareth. Say, Brother Mike, why is it important to point that out? I think there might be some spiritual encouragement 
for us there. People, when they heard that Jesus was from Nazareth, they laughed it off and thought God can't use anybody from there. But the thing is, God is not looking for some impressive uh, place of birth on your CV. He doesn't need you to have some high degree as far as the secular standards are concerned. God can take somebody with virtually an insignificant background and use that person to make a massive change in the world. Nobody expected much from this town, but my goodness, the world was turned upside down by this town. Verse 27, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Point number one on your outline, we have three points today. I'd like to say, first of all, we're looking at Mary as a pure vessel, a pure vessel. In 2 Timothy, it talked about a sanctified vessel, unto honor, sanctified. Mary, it says, was a virgin. She had to keep herself pure in order to receive this great and wonderful honor of being used by God in this way. The angel has now been dispatched to take a, a message to Mary. The angel had just a few months before met with Zacharias. We studied that last week. This angel is busy in these days, right? There was Zacharias and his big day, and now it's Mary. And I don't know how long after, probably the next night, maybe even this same night, this same angel meets with Joseph and instructs him about this fantastic news. And, and thank God, because this would have been very difficult for Mary to explain to to Joseph, right? You, you need some divine help with these kind of instructions. But the angel was quite busy. Now, it says here in verse 27 as well that she was of the house of David. We're going to look at this more when we get into chapter 3. Mary does have Davidic descent, but after David, you'll find that she does not follow the kingly line, the regal line. Now, Joseph does. Joseph is of regal descent, so in the legal way, Jesus has a right to the throne of Israel because Joseph descends from David through that kingly line, David, Solomon, Rehoboam, and so forth. Whereas Mary, everything's the same up till David, but then one of David's other sons will eventually bring Mary into the world. Why is this important? You'll see as we go through the passage, Jesus needed to be of Davidic descent. That was prophesied in the Old Testament. But I'll tell you something very interesting about it. Back in the book of Jeremiah, there was a wicked king of the Jews called Coniah or Jeconiah. And God said, your seed will never sit upon the throne of Judah. Well, that presents a bit of a problem then if the Messiah is to come through that kingly line and God just said, your seed will never sit on the throne. That's the regal line that should produce the king. And God says it won't come through you. How do we work this out? The only way around that is a virgin birth. That way, Jesus still has a legal right to the throne because he's, of Joseph's, he's in Joseph's house. Joseph will adopt him legally in that, in that sense. But Jesus does not physically come from Jeconiah. Therefore, God's punishment about that seed not having the throne is also been fulfilled. In verse number 28, it says, the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. I wonder in verse number 28, when, it, when the angel tells her, Blessed art thou among women, 
she had no idea just how blessed she was. When the angel says, the Lord is with thee, she has no idea just how intense that statement is going to become. The Lord is with her in the spiritual sense, but in just a few moments, the Lord is going to physically be with her in a very different way. And I wonder sometimes, just like Mary could not wrap her mind, she could not, she could not fully understand just how blessed and how highly favored she was. I wonder if the same is not true of us. When the Bible says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, we kind of stand back and scratch our heads and go, ah, uh, really? <laughs> how, just how blessed is that then? How many spiritual blessings in heavenly places are there? I, I really think we share a little bit of common ground with Mary. We wouldn't be able to fully appreciate just how blessed we are. Now, the angel is going to go on to explain this in further detail, but let's talk just for a moment. Verse 29 and 30, this is not the typical greeting, right? When the angel comes in and says, Hail, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou, you're highly favored. They've never met. When you meet somebody for the first time, hello, what do you say next? What's your name, right? What do you do for a living? And you start to ask some get-to-know-you questions. This time the angel comes in and starts making statements about her character. You're highly favored of God. You're blessed. You've found favor with the Lord. How do, how do you know me? How do you know these things about me? This would certainly bring about the question in verse 29. She's not... She, she's not filled with unbelief. She's just wondering, what's going on? Why would anybody be this kind to me? Why would you say these kind of things about me? Do I actually deserve this type of greeting? In verse number 31, we'll see why this greeting was appropriate. It says here, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. The name Jesus means Jehovah saves or the salvation of Jehovah, a very appropriate name for this boy. It was a common name actually in Israel in these days. It is the same name that we have in the Old Testament as Joshua. The full name is Jehoshua, Jehoshua, which is Jehovah saves. So now this is the name of Mary's son, Jesus. It says in verse 31, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Where else are you going to conceive? Right? That seems redundant to say conceive in thy womb. Well, yes, that's where that, that takes place. I think that phrase is actually significant because Mary is engaged to be married. She's going to take Joseph soon as her husband, and yes, the natural thing to happen would possibly to fall pregnant in the near future. So if the angel shows up and says, you're going to conceive, okay, yeah, that's probably a very natural plan. Why would that be incredibly special? In just a few verses, Mary is going to ask the angel, you can see in verse 34, how shall this be seen I know not a man? So she understood from that statement in verse 31, I assume, that this conception is going to be something special. It's not going to involve the help of Joseph. For that matter, because she is a pure vessel, it's certainly not going to have the help of any other man. And she's, she also knows, wait a minute, I'm not married. You need to tell me how this works because having that type of relation outside of marriage wouldn't be right. That's not the kind of girl I am. Because I'm a pure vessel, I need to know more about what you're saying. She would have understood by this phrase, in thy womb, all the work would be taking place just inside of her. 
So she knows, okay, now something is very, very different about that. So point number two, she was a pure vessel, highly favored of God. And listen, that, that compliment you have to earn. God, does, God doesn't send angels out to just anybody to give that sort of compliment. That has to be earned, and it's earned by living that sanctified, pure, godly life. And then in verse 31 on down, the second part to this, I believe we can say that she had precious cargo in her vessel. Number one, she was a pure vessel. But number two, there was precious cargo in her vessel. What made this vessel so special? It was pure, but number two, the special part of the vessel was actually not the vessel, but what was inside the vessel. I think sometimes in the world today we struggle to identify ourselves, which I've never really understood that. I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay it. I, I know some people really do struggle with such a concept, but I think the safest thing to do is identify yourself as it relates to God and to Christ. How would you identify yourself? What defines you? We sang the song earlier, Armand, did you know I was going to preach this? We, that is the exact song I was going to ask you to choose, and I forgot to ask you. I wanted him to sing, Christ liveth in me. That is precisely what Mary has going on. Christ is going to be physically living in her. That is what defines us. That is what makes this vessel special. I, you, if you are saved, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We have some very precious cargo. In verse 32, I love this statement. He shall be great. I must admit I was fully tempted this week to just preach on that one phrase. He shall be great. We could go on for a while talking about just how great he is. I think we got started pretty good in Sunday school, didn't we? Talking about the knowledge of the glory of the Lord filling the earth as the waters cover the sea. We, you can just get lost in the thought of his greatness. He shall be great, and then the angel explains what's so great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. This is going to be the Son of God. I think sometimes we get used to that thought. We, we understand the story already. We know the, how this story goes. But think about this. Ladies, especially you, you might appreciate this more than the men. Ladies, if the angel shows up and says, you, I want to use you. You are going to provide the vessel to bring the most incredible being ever into this world. He's going to be great. He's going to be the Son of God. What do you do with that information? How do you process that? He says he'll be called the Son of the Highest, and rightfully so. Then it says, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. In one verse, he's the son of God and the son of David. There's the divine and the human. There's the spiritual and the natural. The supernatural and the natural. All in one verse. Mary, what do you think about this? Do you understand what I've just told you? I'm glad the angel didn't ask because she would have had to have said, no. <laughs> How is this all going to happen? You know, when we start talking about the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we know that it's true, but do we understand all the inner workings of that? Do we understand how great of a privilege that is, what precious cargo we have inside of us? We have God living in us. That's quite a statement to take on. 
son of God, son of David, son of man. In verse 33, he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. I'm sure Mary had started to put this together in her mind as these words were being spoken. But by verse 33, there would be no doubt. I am going to give birth to the Messiah. Now, folks, again, we have to, we have to stop and let that sink in a bit. We know that Jesus was the Messiah, is the Messiah. We know that. But put yourself back 2,000 years in Mary's shoes. The Jews now have been waiting for well over a thousand years for this Messiah to show up. And then God taps Mary on the shoulder and says, I want to use you. The one that is going to save Israel, fix the nation, and the world, your son is going to be the king of kings. He is going to take the throne of his father David. He is going to fulfill all of the prophecies from the Old Testament about the Messiah. And when he begins to reign, his kingdom shall never end. He will fix all the problems. <laughs> Thank God he's finally shown up. Thank God there's no more elections after, that, after him. In and of itself, no more elections, no more campaigns. Oh, no more politicians. I believe in a monarchy. <laughs> but with only one king that will never abdicate or be kicked off or die out of the throne. There he is in his rightful place. We know that when Jesus comes back, he will reign on this earth for a thousand years. The Bible tells us this in Revelation 20. And then heaven and earth will pass away. Sometimes this has caused confusion. People think, well, doesn't that mean that the kingdom then comes to an end? No, the heaven and earth comes to an end. Jesus' authority as king of kings never ends. It simply transfers to New Jerusalem. A new heaven and a new earth come down from God. So the kingdom itself never ends. I have given you on your outline various prophecies that were fulfilled in this. Let's just work our way through them quickly. In verse number 32, when it says, He shall be called the Son of the Highest. This is Psalm 2, verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. This is only one of many verses that would have been fulfilled by Jesus being born as the son of the highest. And then the next phrase, The Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Forgive me, there's a typo. That should be Psalm 132, verse 11. Forgive me for that. Psalm 132, verse 11 says, The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. David the Messiah is going to come through you. And that prophecy is now being fulfilled. Verse 33, the kingdom never ending. That's from Daniel chapter 7. It says, I saw in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him. This is why when Jesus, by the way, used the phrase Son of Man, it caught the attention of those listening. That was a divine statement, a divine title. People knew that Son of Man, that's the guy from Daniel 7. That's not some ordinary man. That's a divine character. Verse 14 there, it says, And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I would assume that Mary 
was familiar with biblical prophecy. I would assume that. And I say that because of how God has approached her up until this point. As she's hearing this, scriptures begin to flood her mind. And she begins to realize more and more what a great privilege this is. You know what's going to really help, folks? If you will hide the Word of God in your heart, when God then taps you on the shoulder and says, I want to use you to do this and that, scriptures begin to flood your mind. You go, wait a minute. This is massive. You want to use me to do this, that? It really helps if you're familiar with the scriptural background of how God works. Verse 34, there's another prophecy that is going to be fulfilled here. Then said Mary unto the angel, Luke 1.34, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? I'm engaged, but I'm not married yet. You've just said that the conception would be in my womb. This means Joseph is out. God, I, I believe you, but I don't understand. Can you please just fill me in? This is very different than Zacharias. Remember last week, Zach's big day. He didn't believe what the angel said. He was asking more as a skeptic and out of a a doubt-filled heart, not Mary. She believes it. She just doesn't understand it. And by the way, guys, if you lack wisdom in how God wants to work in your life, the book of James says you're allowed to ask, and God will give you the necessary understanding and wisdom. And he will not chew you out. God is not going to be upset because you don't understand it. He understands that we are frail and limited and, and very, very human. It's okay to ask God how. I know you're great. Show me how great. I know you want to use me. I know you live inside. I know that should change me, but just show me how this works. Isaiah 7 and verse 14, the prophet said, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mary, no doubt, has put this together in her mind. If she didn't immediately, it only took her moments for all of these scriptures to come, to to, to fall in line, to click into place. Wait a minute. Are you saying that I'm, out of all the tens of hundreds of thousands of young ladies that have come and gone in the land of Israel, I'm this virgin? For 700 years, the Jews had waited for that to be fulfilled. I'm that one. And my child is going to be called what? Emmanuel. You understand what that term means? God with us. You see, when somebody says the son of, yes, that can be a biological statement, and we can certainly understand it in that sense in this passage. But it also means that this son shares the qualities and characteristics of the one who begat him. So when Jesus says, I'm the son of God, he's saying, I'm of the same substance of the father. The same qualities and characteristics, not just that I look like him, not that I try to act like him, but I am of the same substance. In the Trinity, there are three persons, but they're all one substance. They're connected like that. God with us, but in a different form. Not in his natural spiritual form, but now coming down wrapped in flesh. Mary, she is bearing precious cargo in this vessel, just like we are. And it might might cause you to ask a few questions. How can this be? Um, I'm not quite sure. The Holy Spirit lives within. Can you please tell me what are the initial evidences of that? (laughs) 
Can you please tell me what I should expect with something so precious, with God dwelling amongst not just us, but me? God, how does this work? How does this work? And the Lord is very happy to explain this to us. Verse number 35. Verse 35, it says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. That child in your womb, Mary, you are going to contribute 23 chromosomes, just like any natural mother would do, but the other 23 are going to come directly from God. As best I can tell, the last time this happened was in Genesis 1. When God introduced into the natural, out from the spiritual realm, into the natural realm, matter. Think about this for a moment. Where did everything come from? It came from nothing. Well, we say nothing. It came from nothing else material, nothing else physical. There was spiritual. God was there. And from that spiritual realm, God spoke, and He put into existence everything that needed to be here for the universe to exist, for you to exist. He brought into existence all of matter. Then, that's Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He puts it all out there. But Genesis 1.2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit began to move on the face of the waters. You see, God brought into existence all the necessary material. Then he brought the Spirit in and said, now give that material the necessary instructions so that it knows what to do and how to operate. Give it laws. And those laws begin to operate. And the Spirit of God supervised it and said, you go here. And God said, you go there. And God divided this and put everything in its proper place. And the Spirit of God moved. And what was without form... What was void, empty, now takes on material presence. The next time God would introduce something from the spiritual into the natural is in the virgin birth, where God fed some extra material into the natural realm. He says, Mary, you're going to give 23 chromosomes, but we've got to have another 23 in order to create a human being. Where are they going to come from? God says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to introduce that extra little DNA into the situation. And what is going to be formed in your womb, what was empty, what was void, what, it was without form, the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to form it and shape it and, and make it just what it needs to be. This is a tremendous message for Mary, but can I also say that is exactly what's happening in you. The Holy Spirit comes in and our lives are a mess, wrecked by sin without form, void, darkness upon the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God enters in and begins to move. And He begins to feed instruction into your matter. He begins to tell this to go there and that needs to go here and let's rearrange your life and, and what was chaos, let's now make it order. Let's make sense out of this mess that you've made. How? Because the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow you. If this could only be true on a daily basis for us, and might I say it can be, it should be. The Holy Spirit lives within, but he, he wants to do more than just use you as a taxi. 
He doesn't want to just sit in the back seat and let you drive while he rides in the back quiet. When he comes in, he wants to move around. He wants to have control. He wants to feed the instructions. He, he wants to overshadow you. Can I maybe use the word overwhelm? To where you are cognizant. You know that he's there. You, you feel, you recognize his presence. I have no idea how Mary felt. No idea. I am massively hindered in this because I'm not a woman. I have no idea what it feels like to fall pregnant. I imagine, though, when Mary falls pregnant now, this morning sickness, right? She probably didn't expect the Holy Spirit to feel like that. <laughs> What's going on? God, is that you? <laughs> you know, when God begins to work, we, we, we often don't understand how He's working in the beginning. How, this is a new feeling, right? The Holy Spirit overshadows her and begins to move around whatever needs to move so that she can fall pregnant. How that must have felt. Wait a minute, something's happening. You know how many times in my spiritual life something's going on and I go, whoa, wait a minute. I, man, how, how is it that I feel peace when I should feel depression? When I should, I should feel worried, I, I feel joy. Man, what's going on? Something's a little weird here. I can only imagine Mary felt a little bit of that. Not that she needed it, but the angel helps her here in verse 36. Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. They're cousins, but there's obviously a massive age gap. Elizabeth is an older lady. Mary is a young hand, uh, you know, handmaiden. So she's, we don't know how young, but maybe even a late teenager, early 20s, something like that. The angel throws in this extra information. Mary didn't ask for it, but just so that Mary knows God is doing something special these days. Your older cousin slash Tani, Elizabeth, <laughs> she's fallen pregnant too. Mary would have immediately known that that had to have been a miracle. So that leads to verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Mary was probably privy to this long-standing prayer request for Zacharias and Elizabeth to fall pregnant. Nothing shall be impossible. Even they in their old age, it's finally happened. You know what's lovely about this verse, verse 37? There's one other time in the Gospels that is used. Jesus uses it. The disciples come to him and they're having a conversation about rich people getting saved. And Jesus said how hardly rich people will enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. And the disciples then asked him, well, then who, who can be saved then? If it's that difficult, who can be saved? And Jesus' answer was, with men this is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. How unlikely is it that a virgin falls pregnant? Quite, you're not going to explain that with natural terms, right? This is beyond the natural. This is supernatural. How is it that somebody who has no desire for God, their life is pointing in the complete opposite direction, they're hardened by sin, they will not listen to advice, how is it that God can reach down, get a hold of that person's attention, and change their life, complete 180, and have that person fall in love with God? We look at it and we think there's no way that could ever happen. Why some of you might be thinking that this morning. 
Pastor Mike, I've been doing it this way for so long. This is just who I am. This is how I am. Please do not pressure me to have this kind of relationship where the Holy Spirit moves on me and overwhelms me. That can't be me. Yes, it can be. You can be a vessel meet for the Master. You can be that vessel meet for the Master. Mary probably thought that this would never be me, but it was. But it was. She heard the news, and I want to give you the last part of our outline here. She heard this news, and what a wonderful response. I want to say part three to this. She was a prepared vessel. Pure, precious cargo, and a prepared vessel. Verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. She received this news so well. She took this with so much faith. It took a lot of faith to hear this and say, okay, God, use me in this very special way. I'm not going to fight against it. I'm not going to give excuses why it can't happen like Zach did. God, as far as me, I think it would be impossible, but you said it's possible, so I'm going to go with it. So God, if you said it, be it according to your word. If you said it, I want that to happen in my life. Oh, if that could be the attitude of every born-again Christian today to say, if God said it, I want that to happen in my life. Lord, you just say the word, thy will be done. She received this news very well, but now I want it just for a few moments, I want you to think with me, a little thought experiment here. Let's go five minutes into the future. After she hears this, what do you think she starts to think about after that? When the angel leaves, and Mary has a few minutes to process this information. Let's move it out five hours. She's had five hours to think about this. She hasn't talked to Joseph yet. Joseph's going to be meeting with Gabriel just now, now in a dream. And Mary is thinking on this amazing news. I am going to be a vessel, meet for the master. What do I do with this? Let me give you a few things she might have thought of. Number one, this changes everything. She's, she's been planning for a wedding, right? She's engaged. Ladies, and even men, right? I think the ladies are probably more involved in the planning phase of the wedding, but men as well, I think you can appreciate this. A lot of work goes into planning a wedding. Well, that's going to be a little different now. With the, I've got to get a new wedding dress and... I don't, know, I don't know how this is going to go over at the wedding, but this sure changes everything. I had all these plans, and, you know, maybe Mary wanted to do something else with her life. Maybe she wanted to uh, open a business because women did that. Maybe she had other plans, and now, well, I guess, well, I guess my plan is no longer in play. Well, it changes everything. And, and with that thought, she would also think my life is never going to be the same. I mean, not only does it change my immediate plans, but nothing is ever going to be the same. I have a child, and look at who this child is going to be. Everything's different. Maybe a few more minutes goes by, and then she starts to realize, okay, everything's going to be different. Breathe, Mary, breathe. <sighs> Calm down. Okay, everything, okay, the wedding, I, I, I'll take care of that. Okay, I, I, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll tell that, talk that. Whew, Mary, calm down, calm down. All right. I'm going to have a, a person inside of me, a new person, a, a new life living inside of me. 
Ooh. Wow. Now, see, for me as a man, it's hard for me to really appreciate that. You ladies are going, yes, yes. Let us talk about this. We know that. Ladies, I'm doing the best I can to explain it. I, I have a new life, a new person living inside of me. And then her mind just, you know, goes a little further and says, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. How am I going to tell Joseph? The angel didn't say, Mary, hang tight. I'm going to go talk with your husband-to-be. Get it all straightened out. Don't worry. That would have been very nice. <laughs> uh, sir, I'm glad that you've explained the gospel to me. Can you go explain it to my family as well? Because I don't think I could tell them as good as you. Gabriel's going to do that, but she doesn't know that. She's thinking, oh, man, I wonder if he's even going to want to marry me. I wonder if he'll still want to be with me. Beyond that, what about my family? What are they going to say? What are, just society, what are, what are people going to think when I fall pregnant outside of wedlock? Listen, our society today has grown far too accustomed to that. We brush it under the rug. We, we wink at it as if, well, it just happened again. That, in these times, that was a horribly massive stain on your testimony. You are now society's outcast. There were some very nasty terms that they put on you when this happened. Mary is now thinking, oh, man, I've been a pure vessel, but now people are not going to understand this. If I tell them, no, no, I promise, I'm the virgin from Isaiah 7. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. After that thought begins to wane a little bit, maybe she starts to calm down a little more and think, okay, you know, they're going to think what they want, but at the end of the day, I know what's true. I'm going to give birth to the Son of God. The, the Messiah is going to grow within me. What a privilege. These prophecies, some of them over a thousand years old, they're going to happen in my life. I'm going to be part of this eternal story. Oh my goodness, what a privilege this is going to be. And then there's one last thought that I am sure trailed into her mind. I wonder if I'm going to be a good parent. Moms and dads, didn't you think about that before your children were born? I think that's only natural. We think, man, am I ready for this? What would I do if my child says this? How will I answer these difficult questions? How am I going to handle these things? Fair questions, fair concerns. What if you're Mary? I'm going to be raising Emmanuel. How do I do that? <laughs> the one who spoke the universe into existence, and I'm training him. How? Am I going to be a good parent? Am I going to live up to whatever standard God expects for me for His Son, not just mine? I'm sure that those things went through her mind. As I mentioned at the beginning, Mary is a vessel meet for the Master. So are you. So just like when we read this story of Mary, she has Jesus within, you and I also, we have the indwelling Christ. The only difference is with Mary, it was a physical thing. With us, it is a spiritual thing. But He lives within. And I wonder if you've thought about this. Once Jesus comes in, life will never be the same. This changes 
everything. I had all these plans. I was going to do this and get that, and I was going to have this job. And you know, now that Jesus is inside of me, that changes everything. And my, there's no going back from this. I can't undo this. Life is going to be different. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We now have a new purpose for living. Mary's entire purpose changes. I'm now all about Jesus inside of me. The thought hit Mary and it should hit us. There's a new life. There's a new person. I'm a new person. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I have a new life inside of me. For to me to live is Christ. It's not that you and I are giving birth. We have been given the new birth. And now we have that inside of us. Just like Mary might have thought, I wonder what Joseph will say. I wonder what my parents will say. I wonder what society will think. The same is true of us. Jesus comes inside and I can't hide this, right? Mary's not going to be able to hide the fact that she's pregnant. You can't hide it. Folks, stop trying to hide it. Stop trying to hide it. He's inside that special. He's going to be great. You can't hide that. Have you ever seen a pregnant woman try to hide it? it it's awkward. It's very awkward. Stop trying to hide it. You're just looking weird. Just admit it. Here it is. Think what you want. Sometimes your spouse may not fully understand what's gotten into you. <laughs> I'll tell you something, something different in here. I promise you that. They'll say, what's gotten into you? Well, Jesus came in and he changed everything. Mom and dad may not understand it. Brothers and sisters may not understand it. Jesus' own brothers and sisters didn't understand it until he rose from the dead. Sometimes the people around you, society at large, won't understand why this drastic change. Why, why live your life for somebody that died 2,000 years ago? What's the big deal? They just don't know how great he is. Jesus said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. <laughs> this, think of this. No matter how many people looked strangely at Mary, Jesus was still with her. No matter what they say, no matter what they think, Jesus is still with you. He said, I'll never leave. I'll never forsake. The world is going to give you trouble, but be of good cheer. I've said these things so you can have peace. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And he lives within Despite what other people are going to think, the thought has to eventually sink in with you. This is an amazing privilege. The prophets talked about this grace that would come, and they searched what manner and what time this would all happen, and now we are seeing the fulfillment. Jesus has come. The Messiah has shown up. He's offered life to the world. Our sins can be blotted out, removed as far as the east is from the west. We can be redeemed. We can be born again. We can be in his family. One day we'll be in his kingdom. What an ama amazing privilege. But listen, we also get to see the Scripture fulfilled in our lives. Mary saw it, right? We read it. I gave it to you on the paper. Psalms, Daniel, Isaiah. She saw Scripture fulfilled. How about this one? 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. 3rd August 1996, I saw that fulfilled. I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I asked him to save me and thank God that scripture was right. He saved me. Philippians says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I can say amen, check mark. I've seen that happen time and time again. I take my cares and burdens to the Lord and I leave them there and he has never failed to give me sufficient grace. Over and over again, I have seen that scripture fulfilled, that peace that passes all understanding. Jesus told us that if we ask, we'll receive. If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, it shall be open. He says, listen, if any of you, if any of you would ask from your father for bread, he wouldn't give you a stone. He says, now listen, if you being evil know how to give good things to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Say, Pastor, I feel weak. I feel, I don't know how my life is going to work out. Everything feels disjointed and darkness and void. And you just need to ask, please, Lord, let the Holy Spirit come down and take the chaos and make order out of it. Let him overshadow my life, move upon the waters, and make sense out of this mess. I have seen that happen over and over again. All you have to do is ask. Say, Pastor, you haven't rung my bell yet. Maybe this one will help you. In the book of Hebrews, it says, No chastening, no chastening, for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous, but afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Have you seen, have you felt that scripture fulfilled in your lives when you've gotten out of line and God has lovingly had to lay his chastening hand on your life? And while you're going through that chastening, that punishment, <laughs> but at the end of it, you end up thanking God. You say, God, I needed that wake-up call in my life. Thank you for caring about me so much. When I started to veer off and get off into useless, vain activity, you brought me back where I needed to be. You reminded me of what was important. I've seen that over and over again. Tribulation works patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. How many times, folks, have you been through, going through something so difficult, you don't know when it would end, and the Holy Spirit comes in and whispers in your ear and says, we still love you. We're not done with you yet. Just hang on. You're going to be glad that you hung on. I have seen Romans 5 fulfilled over and over again. And thank God one day I got one more verse of Scripture I'm going to see fulfilled for sure. I hope I can see some of those fulfilled again and again. And there's others that I've seen come to pass. But one day, one day the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall be raised. They'll rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. We can comfort one another with those words. We are going to see Scripture fulfilled in our lives over and over again, just like Mary did. And maybe the thought has crossed your mind, I have Jesus living inside of me. 
I hope I'm a good Christian. Just like Mary thought, I want to be a good parent. I want to do him right. Lord, you live inside of me. I don't want to let you down. This is a big privilege, and I don't want to take it lightly. Lord, I, I, I want to walk with you. I don't want to ignore you. God, help me. And, and, and sometimes that pressure can be almost too much. We walk around thinking there's no way I'll ever live up to his expectations. It's just he, there's no way I can be that good of a Christian. <laughs> this is what I love about this part. You know what the angel said to Mary when he first showed up? Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. God did not choose Mary because she had it all figured out and understood everything and had enough strength in and of herself to make all the right decisions every time. The promise was the Messiah is going to be inside of you and the Lord's going to be with you. Every step of the way, the Holy Spirit there, not only to conceive, but also to help you each step of the way. You're not alone. You know what God needs? God didn't save you and then immediately give you victory over everything. He doesn't say, okay, I'm looking for the guy, the lady who has it all figured out. He is looking for a vessel that is willing to let him work. Mary's response in verse 38, be it unto me according to your word. I don't know how I'll ever be a good enough mother for this great child, but I'll be a vessel. And God, I trust that you'll help me along the way. Let's all stand if you would. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heads bowed and eyes closed and some music will play softly. I want to give us just a few moments to think on this. Mary was a pure vessel. Otherwise, she couldn't have been chosen. She carried precious cargo, but still just a vessel. She was a prepared vessel, prepared to let God use her. God, however you want to use me, I'm yours. Friend, how about you today? Can you be a vessel, meet for the master's use. Let it sink in just for a few moments. Christ liveth in me. That reality ought to change your life. Nothing should ever be the same. The world may look at you funny, but it's still a great privilege. And no matter how much you struggle, doubt yourself, the Lord is going to be with you. The Holy Spirit can still move on your life. And what feels like chaos and confusion, He can bring order to it. Say, Pastor, I haven't seen or felt God moving in my life. Can we maybe start at, at Step one, let's try to get this verse of Scripture fulfilled. Call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. 
How about we get that one right? Jesus said you must be born again. You don't have to give birth to him like Mary. He's going to give birth to you in the spiritual. Receiving Jesus is receiving new life. That's what the new birth is. If you've never done that, would you do it today? Like Mary said, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. I want that. I want your promises to be fulfilled in my life. I can see a lot of the folks outside. I can see you folks inside. I'm going to close in prayer just now, but can I ask if there's anybody here, say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm, I've, never, I've never let the Lord Jesus come inside. I've, I'm not saved, but I want to be. Just pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up? Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Anybody else, maybe even outside, just, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not going to point you out. For those of you that already have Christ living inside, would you please take some time this afternoon to ponder what a privilege that is? You are a vessel. And if you'd like to be saved now, even where you're at, open up your heart to the Lord. Say, Lord, it's all yours. Come in. I know you died for me. I want you to live inside of me now. Just ask him. He won't disappoint. Father, thank you this morning for the privilege to talk about your entry into the world. Lord Jesus, to talk about your mother. What an incredibly special lady she was. Lord, what a privilege it is for us to be vessels meet for the master we want to be honorable vessels lord we want the spirit of god to move on us just like he did way back in the beginning move in our lives lord for any that are here and not saved might this be the day that jesus comes in and reigns and rules in their heart forever and ever that's the promise. Once he begins to reign, it never stops. Might that be true for all of us. Be it unto us according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, folks, thank you so much. We do have Bible school tonight at 6 o'clock. You're more than welcome to pitch up at the house. And if you can't do that, feel free to follow us on our live stream. You guys have a great Sunday.